Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC make me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly, and that is what CGV is all about. Everything we do is based on the word of God. You don't manipulate it to our own benefit. Like, you want things good, and that's what we're That's why I love you. There you have it. You have an insightful show. Christian Essentials. Part 3. Glory to Jesus. Now, I want to let you know first that God cares for this conversation. God cares for this conversation. God cares for this conversation. Okay? God wants to be accurately known. He wants his children to have accurate knowledge of him. You know, like every reasonable father, you want your children to have accurate knowledge of you. Right? So God cares for this conversation. And he wants us to pass these things down to our children, children after us. He wants us to leave a legacy of faith for those that come after us. Glory to God. Exodus 12. Exodus 12. From 24 to 28. Exodus 12. From 24 to 28. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. See that? For you and your descendants. Let's go on. 25. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So he told them, observe this lasting ordinance so that when your children ask you, you will tell them it's because God did so and so. You see that? He wants us to pass down his accurate knowledge to our children after us. Now, not passing down an unreasonable faith or a faith we just made up, but a faith backed by certain specific occurrences. That God did this. Okay? This happened. Christ came. He lived. He suffered. He died. He rose again. He wants us to be able to pass down these things to our children. Not faith for faith's sake. Now, there is a common, um, common wrong thought that people have. That people just believe what they want to believe. You know, even believers say it. That we just believe, it's just people's beliefs. Come on. If your belief is based on nothing, you might be acting like a dunce. I say it with all love. Yes. If your belief is based on nothing, you just believe. We should ask you again, but you went to school, sir. 
Okay? Faith has to be backed by evidence. And it's why we have issues today in the body of Christ. People have believed for believing sick. So we are those that actually say, because they need to have a religion, they need to have something they believe in. There are people like that, just because they need to have something to believe in. No, our faith is not because we need to have something to believe in. It's based on certainty, specifics, okay? It's not just, it's not random. It is not made up. So you cannot go about doing like your faith is made up. So if it's not made up, then you need to know the facts of your faith. Otherwise, you might be acting less than intelligent. Okay, again, I say because all love, because we must say the truth. Okay, what is your faith based on? The apostles, the early church, the faith was not just based on anything. It was based on certain things. It had a foundation. It had a doctrine. You know, it's specific. It's, it's based on stuff. Do you understand? So we cannot build, you know, a strong church without a strong foundation on the fundamentals. This is why the apostles, the early church, could endure persecution. You know, Sometimes ago, when Leah Schreiber was kidnapped, was um, kidnapped, you know, the devil was saying, "Why did you just deny the faith? Why did you just deny it and just say you can free her?" It's because they don't know what this thing is built on. The way I can just say, "Just deny and just." If if you have an idea of your history as a Christian, of what this faith means, what people have gone through, you begin to relate to things differently. So when when that missionary went to the Amazon forest and was killed. We're like, why did he go there? Why did he go and preach there? What's, what's he, why, why, why are we so intrusive? You don't understand the faith you're talking about. If you understand our roots, you will not talk like that. So the early church, you know, I always refer back to the Council of, of Nicaea in 325. When, you know, they went before, is it 325? No, 325. When they went before Emperor Nero, Nero Emperor Constantine, rather, Emperor Constantine, Constantine. Okay, for became born again, before he, got, before he became king, shortly before he became king, and you know, um, and he, he, he called together a council. And in that council, bishops came, people came, and some of them came with one eye because a, a, a former emperor and his, you know, and his terror ring plucked out their eyes. Some came with, you know, broken limbs, you know, when you drag your legs to a meeting. Some came, you know, with all sorts of scars. Okay, <laughs> that was the bad of their faith. People have stood before tyrants. When all they did to just say, I deny Christ and they walk free. But because they understood what the faith was based on, they walk right into, into persecution, sometimes into very disturbing deaths. A particular king, Emperor Nero, used believers as torchlights for farms. All right? When you don't know your history, all right, you will be tossed to and fro. You will say something that you should not talk about, okay? So we need to understand that this conversation is important to God. What did Paul see that turned Paul from one that kills believers to one that preaches the faith he once tries to, to end? What did Paul see? What did Peter see that turned Peter from the guy that was denying Christ three times to one that in 40 days or so, he became one that would stand before the very same people he ran from to proclaim the Christ? What did he see that made him, you know, preach the gospel in the same city before the same people that killed Christ? The same guys that ran away before. What changed? What changed? So we need to understand this thing. What did James see? James, brother of Christ, that, you know, before, before death and before the death, you know, they didn't send the guy. They looked like a guy that was created and stuff like that. What did James see that turned James into an early church leader? Do you understand? So we need to understand this so we can, you know, um, so we can better um, share
share our faith and be rooted and grounded in what we believe. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Deuteronomy 6. Yeah. Oh, Israel. Yeah. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Yeah. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See that? He says, bind this word, the words I tell you, on your forehead. Tie it on your hand. Put it on your doorpost, okay? It should consume you. It is so important. It has to consume you so that everybody in your family, people around you, will understand the words I have spoken to you. They will, you know, they will have faith based on what I have said, things that happened, okay? So God cares for He told them to write it everywhere. He cared so much. He told them to write it everywhere. Doorpost, handband, you know, waistband. Anyway, on your head. Carry it about, okay? It is that important to God. So that your children will see. So God wants us to know these things and pass them down to our children. Your children should serve your God. If, if you know your God and show them your God, they will serve your God. They will serve your God. Do you understand? Go to Proverbs 6, 20, Proverbs 6, 20, My son, keep your father's command. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them, fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. See that? For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life. You see that? Says my son, you know, keep these things close to us. When you sleep, they will guide you. When you are awake, they will keep you. So this, this commands, you know, they are life. Yea, light onto your path. So God wants us to be consumed with accurate knowledge of Him. All right. So God cares for this conversation. Titus one five to nine. Titus one five to nine. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished, and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. So a man whose children believe. God cares that our children believe. He has made grace available for us. Okay, so we must apply this grace. Teach our children so that they believe. Look at that. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Yeah. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as, as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Look at this. He must hold firmly to the what? To the what? Trustworthy message. Trustworthy message as it had been taught. 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 So that it will be able to teach others. 
We'll be able to correct others. Oh, this is so important that we all to. So, so, so you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be. You're going to be. You know, an, a church leader, a church worker. You must be able to hold firmly to what this message as it had been taught. So something was taught that we must keep passing on. You know, we, we like creativity. I love creativity, right? I try to love creativity. My wife is ambitious, you know. <laughs> you know, we love creativity, right? We love new songs. We love new beats, new trends. We love new clothes. Glory. We love new shoes. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we like new things. Amen. I'm a man. Do you want to my shoe? Don't worry. I'm just joking. Okay. So we like new things. You get my point? We love new stuff, right? When it comes to the message of faith, it has to be as it has been taught about our faith in Christ. It has to be as it has been taught. You can create creative with, 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 the, with the means, but the message must be the same. You can teach it in, in drama, in song. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So in drama, in songs, in whatever, in poetry, you know, even in dance, whatever you do, okay, as far as the message is clear and it's Jesus, we are fine. Of course, you know, for every generation, we have to teach these things in a way that that um, they can get. Now, the way you teach church believers, believers that are mature, is not how you show the world. They might not get it. So, a song might get them faster. So, you sing it. Maybe a dance, they would, you dance it. Maybe a drama. But, you know, the idea is the message must be clear. The means can be creative, okay? Of which it should be creative. You serve a creative God. Don't, I mean, nice one, I mean, I'm loving. Don't be unintelligent, okay? You know, all right? So the, the, the medium, the means should be creative. Church should not be stuck. All right? Creative means, but the same message. The same message. First Timothy 3, 1 to 10. Here is a trustworthy saying. Yeah. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Glory to Jesus. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate. Faithful to his wife. Faithful to his wife. Be faithful to his. Say after me. Faithful to his. He starts while dating. Amen. Amen. So let your eyes be single and full of light. Okay, go on. Some people now. Let me just digress a bit. You have a girlfriend. I'm not. I'm, I didn't plan it. Okay. You have a babe. You have a babe. You have a babe. That you know. We all know the baby are dating, but you know, we cannot talk your phone because in your phone we, there are other things happening in your phone. There are other almost dates. You know, almost babes. You know, the I love you here, the hide here is there. You know what you're doing, you know. You know you're, you're spreading tenta- in case this one does not work. And thank you. I'm not going to that trend. Okay? So don't, don't you know, you're doing, you know, some, some people are trying to play safe. They're playing safe, backups. Especially guys, as in, I had just not do it also, so thank you. Grace to you. Okay? But, <laughs> right? If you're a believer in Christ, that has to be different. When you say, I love you, you have to mean it. You have to be a man of your words. A woman of your words. So, so when, when someone says, I'm dating a Christian man, as in there should be confidence that you're not going to mess up. Not when, that's what they do, Christian men, you know, all of them, you know? <laughs> all right? You know, we are constantly, it's, it's, it's not, it should be with us, it be things. It should be, you know, it be clear. It's, you know, it's certain. He says, I love you, I love you. Okay? He keeps his word. Not because the other girls will not come, but because you're a man of your words. One of your words, you keep to your word. No feelings will confidence will go. Feelings are like sign waves. But your commitment must be static. 
When you find gospel for you and you find the woman that, that feels, feels gospel for you, stay there. You'll be all right, okay? Don't be doing, when you see a new couple online, you're not doing, you're not starting, you know. Not how people behave. When they see a couple online, hey, I, I wish my people was like this, so. My, my people doesn't talk like this. Doesn't talk. People do it a lot. I say, even ladies, sorry, ladies, any small thing, oh, oh. Yeah, you know, be committed to what you're doing. Be committed, keep your word. Okay, go on. Faithful to his wife, temperate. Sorry. Yes. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Please pause. Not Again, able to teach. He was able to teach what has been taught. Not creatively create a new message. What has been taught. Not vibes or empty rhymes. Let your rhymes be true. Let your rhymes, your people, your people like rhymes, like vibes, okay? Well, is the vibe true? His vibe is good, right? Rhymes, of course, we are different people. Some people can rhyme better than others. Rhymes are perfect. But is a rhyme true? Or is it just do re mi, fa fa fa, you know? You know? <laughs> Please go. Not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle. Yeah. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own. Yeah, go, 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 go. He must manage his own family well and see that. His children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, yes, sir. or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Yep. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. So he says they must, you know, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Here's the key word there. The truths of the faith. They must, they, oh, they must, they, they must treasure it. They must know and treasure it. Not a faith based on vibes or, you know, fun. Fun is good, right? But the form of it based on the truth of our Christianity. Okay? But you know what pains me the most? Most of the church do not know these things. So how do you um, hold on to a truth you don't know about? Alright? So most you know, know that God cares for this conversation. Okay, so we have to know these things and pass them down to our children, children, children after us. All right, so we should ask God, you know, that God help us to constantly remember and treasure these things. You know, help us to understand how serious these things are. Help us to know the weight of these conversations. Okay? Amen. Amen. So, continue from what last week, you know, the spiritual scripture, the spiritual scripture, the inspiration of scripture. Second Peter one, Second Peter one twenty twenty one. Second Peter one twenty twenty one. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, true human, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See that? See, but prophets spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. So the prophet is not wake up and make up stuff they wrote down. Okay? It says it didn't come by the proper interpretation of things, okay? But only men wrote as they were moved by the Spirit. Second Timothy 3, 4 to 17. But as for you, continue what you have learned 
and have become convinced of because you know those from, who, from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. Please pause. How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Now, if from infancy, who taught Timothy? As Paul told us, grandmother and mother. Okay, so we should teach our children from infancy. Oh, today my son's birthday, I was teaching, okay? <laughs> from infancy, the holy scriptures. Okay, please go on. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at that. So, Timothy, from scripture, from, from infancy, you have known the old scriptures. You know, it means that at that particular point, they had what they call scriptures, okay? So they had the OT, you know, and they also had some books of the of New Testament, okay? They had some of the books of, of Paul, already going about as, you know, they read the churches as scripture, okay? So it says, all scripture is God-breathed, okay? And they are profitable for doctrine, for correction, to thoroughly equip the man of God, okay, unto Christian service. Okay, so the Bible is inspired by God. It is God's thoughts in human language. The Bible is inspired by God. It is God's thoughts in human language and therefore free from error in what it affirms and authoritative for life and doctrine. It is God's word so you can build your life on it. Okay, now, this is only true for the original manuscripts. Okay? <laughs> not the copies or translations. Now, we're not saying that every Bible translation is correct. That's not the point. Okay? We are saying that the manuscript themselves, okay, they are God's word as inspired. Amen. Yes. Don't go and pick any version, any version and say, ah, it's God's word. No, no, no. <laughs> we have to, we'll get there, okay? I have to choose, doc, I'll choose um, version and stuff like that. Okay? Even though the Bible is God's revelation, it must be interpreted. And I will interpret as to do our own understanding and reception of what I've recorded. This is the point. That the Bible is God's, word, it's God's revelation, right? But we are to interpret it. So, you know, and I will interpret it depends on our own reception and our own understanding. So, God's word is clean, it's clear, it's accurate, but our interpretation is always clear, it's always clean, it's always accurate, okay? So, know that, okay? Amen. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He guides, not dumps. He does not dump everything on you. Like, let's get one again. Poof! Bah! Full doctrine. <laughs> no. The Holy Spirit guides us, not dumps on us. So, the one that will be, that will be led into truth has to desire truth and apply himself to know. Amen. Amen. Revelation is a divine act. Interpretation is human responsibility. Interpretation is what? Human responsibility. Okay? So we must, you know, learn to interpret correctly. So the Bible is infallible. But interpretation can, can be fallible. Okay? So we have to know that. Okay? The Bible is, 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 is accurate. How I see it can be wrong. Yeah. All right? So we must hold the expression of the Bible and its inerrancy of the Bible as a vital, you know, Christian fundamental. When you start saying the Bible is untrue, the faith has much to stand on. Okay, the Bible's inerrancy is crucial for our faith. So even though 
God, is, God didn't speak every word in the Bible. Okay? He didn't speak every word there. He didn't speak every word himself there. But he ensured those words were recorded. So even things men said in error, and things devil said, God made sure they were recorded for our learning in these times. Are we following? All right, so for example, when you're the Ecclesiastes, and yes, Solomon said a sort of things. You know, Solomon, you know, was not talking that inspired, okay? He was not inspired to say those things, but the writing of it for us to see is inspired. When Solomon says, you know, vanity, vanity is vanity, everything is vanity, everything is clinical, clinical. Now, he was talking from the point of a man looking for out, out, out of God. So he was talking about a man's frustration, trying to get meaning for life outside of God. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't talking as inspired, but the writing of it for us to see is inspired. Okay, so that we can learn in our own age. Amen. All right? Now, the Bible is inspired, not dictated by different things. Now, in a dictation, right, the words, the tone, everything, are the, are the um, author's tone, words, everything. So, if God dictated the Bible, Paul, Peter, Job, everybody, every book will sound the same way. Okay? But the Bible is inspired, not dictated. Okay? So the one doing the writing, if it was dictation, okay, the one the writing, we'll, record, we'll just record it down. There will not be, you won't see a style there, it's vocabulary or it's interest at all in the finished product, okay? But the Bible is inspired. Okay? It is the work of God through persons. Where God's word, you know, is written down in a style and vocabulary of the individual writer. So it is not education, it is inspiration. So it is God's word in the thoughts, in, in the language and vocabulary, you know, and, you know, poetry, the tone of the individual writer. So why you see how Paul writes is not how Peter writes. In fact, you can see that there are 10 premises now they write. Okay? How John writes is not how Peter or Paul Right, okay, or wrote anyone say okay, yet every word of it is inspired by God as led by the Spirit, okay. But we'll see different styles, vocabularies, themes, and you know, stuff like that. All right, furthermore, okay, like I said before, I'll say it again the manuscript themselves are without error, okay, because they are from God and but they are expressed through woman personalities. Alright? Now, what we want to inspire, we, we don't mean that, you know, people think it means that God knocked them out, you know, and just used their hand to write. No. If he did that, okay, they will write in the same tone because their, their mind is not available. Okay? But it's God moving, moving them, but not taking over their faculties. Not a trance. Okay? Very important, okay? So every word of scripture is there because God permitted it. Every word is there because God permitted it. Okay, so when I'm wondering, why is Job in the Bible? Job, 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 that book of Job can be annoying, okay? It's there because God wants it there. To show, you know, that sometimes, you know, people suffer. Even good people suffer too, okay? Not because they should, but it, it happens. Okay, to show, just to have, to show you that it happens, okay? Glory to God. So, how was the canon formed? How was the canon formed? The meaning of the canon, meaning of the term canon just means norm or rule or standard by which things are measured. Norm, rule or standard by which things can be measured. Okay, so in, in, in choosing the 27 books of the New Testament, okay, the church was, the church was, you know, was declaring 
was declaring them to be fit, you know, for rule, for faith and practice. All right? So it's not the terms of, 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 of the covenant, of the settlement, they are from books of Jaism, okay? There are 27 books that form our new settlement. The list of books together are called the canon. This refers to the books that we regard as inspired by God and authoritative for faith and life. Now, no church made the canon. No single church said, you know, the canon will use it. That this is, this is the canon. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not just someone or a church built it or something, okay? But generally, at some point, most churches around the world at that particular time, I believe these are the books that are inspired by God, okay? We'll go further, you know. So it came about gradually. Okay, over time, okay, these books are, this book is, this book is, okay, because they knew the authors and stuff like that. I will explain as we go on. All right? But it was, it was first in the 1867 that we had, you know, you know, an almost official list of such books by, you know, the letter of Athanasius, Bishop of, of, of Alexandria. Athanasius, is that letter, wrote down the books of the, of the, of the New Covenant, okay? Um, Bishop of Alexandria in Egypt, 367 in Egypt. When post-Christianity came to Africa by colonialism, clinical, 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 ignorance, ignorance on steroids, you know? Yes, and people say we do so much, and they say we so much, we so much ginger, okay, we so much energy, but it's, you know, you know, what's my religion? Uh, no, 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 nonsense, okay? Yeah, Africa is so influential. When you read the stories, okay, we have thorough influence on Bagani basis, okay? So even, as I said, I said, the first official list of some, of some sort was by, you know, Athanasius, remember Alexandria in Egypt in AD 367. Okay, it provided a complete list of the of six books that belong to the canon. In doing this, okay, the church distinguished these books from other circulation, because by that time, there are all sorts of books. People were writing books and saying, you know, um, so so person wrote this. I saw something, I, I wrote this. Also, not, not the human misbehavior, everybody, everybody wants to attach. So people started write, writing stuff, okay, and books are going about. Okay, so the church had to, you know, had to formally now, okay, these are the books that, you know, that we all, you know, that most of us agree as, you know, inspired by God. So please notice, it kind of didn't come together at once. It didn't just come together. It was what the church as a whole, or most of it, agreed and were already using as scripture. Do you understand? So the way it works, okay, you know, um, Paul writes a letter, sent the Ephesians church, tells them, when you're reading it, make a copy, send to Colossians, do the same to clinical, clinical. So the books started going about, going about. So when they go on extra, when, when they chose them from this place, they carry their Bibles and go to another place. So the books spread about all the churches of the world, okay? Not, not planned, just went about everywhere. So these books were what they, what they recognized as books inspired by God. So nobody forced down the books on the church. People lie and say, Constantine, clinical, clinical, a lot of nonsense stories, that we should call BS, you know, on the altar. Amen. That's not. <laughs> but hear my point. Okay? A lot of nonsense stories about, but if you don't know your faith and these things, you will chop nonsense by, by a, a, a demonic person's, you know, novel or movie. And that book, those books go round. The, the movie spread, you know, but you must, you must know your faith. Okay? So Constantine did not give us the Bible. It was not born when, when the Bible was already going about. I would live, live, live for 300 years. I was going about since the something. Books were going about already. So how did, when, did they, when did they give it to him that he will now decide what is in the Bible? Do you understand? Most of those books were already going around the churches even before he was born. Do you understand? So it is unwise to say Constantine gave us. What did he do? He requested for, he told the bishop, the bishop of, of his, of, I think of Rome then, to help him make precise copies of the Bible. Just, he made the copy, copies of the Bible. Not that he told us what the Bible. You get my point there. He just ordered copies and that's that. All right? 
Please know your, know your history. Don't let Bobo, you know, online, Twitter. People, know what I've learned? What I've learned? The, more, the older I get, I see how much people can say nonsense with boldness. Nonsense with boldness. And because it's bold, you chop it. So our kind of friend is that, see, whatever is loud is right. That's our, 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 our ideology. Whatever is loud is right. Just keep saying it. Just keep shouting. One day, like, what are they new? And it's not nonsense. But after, if you're for a while, and it's true, but it's nonsense. All right? Are we good? Yes, sir. So please, know that they cannot just come up as a, like a thunderbolt, okay? It's what, over, over the years, churches are agreed as inspired texts. So first, the OT, you know, the, the, the Jews had their book of the Old Testament. They had their book that they agreed on. That These books are, are divinely inspired. That's, these books are divinely inspired, okay? They already had their books, all right? You know, they had their books before Christ, before Christ came. They had their books already, all right? Amen. Amen. So there are several books going about. Several books like um, the Gospel of Thomas, Shepherd of Amas, the Apocalypse of Peter, the Apocalypse of Peter, the Epistle of Barnabas. All sorts of books are going about. So you just have to decide and say, okay, let's let's you know, let's let's begin to understand what our you know the books we recognize as as inspired texts. Okay, glory to God. So we must know how this came about. Okay. So over time, as I said before, it didn't come up at once, but gradually, over you know a period of time. You know, to agree together on what books were genuine and what books were fantasy or just, or just mixed with, with truth. All right? So, you know, there's a particular guy called Machion, okay? He was first guy to talk about that you should do a compiled Bible, you know? And he said in his own, in the Bible, the Bible proposed, you know, that there should be only be no, no OT there. Guy hated anything. You don't want to, you don't want to get at all. That those people say, no, say, eh, you know, but that what, what he wants is one, one book. One book, you know, one Bible that includes only the book of Luke as a gospel, and only Paul's letters. Everybody else doesn't like them. He didn't believe in them, okay? He just wanted the book of Luke and Paul's, okay? But thank God, thank God the church rose up, and that, that, that's how it become when church said, okay, let's actually have, let's, let's, um, let's begin to compile together the books of Luke. So they came out and said, okay, the old scriptures are important for today because Christ quoted them, the apostles quoted them, and stuff like that, okay? And the gospel also were accurate, and stuff like that, and other books apart from Paul, they chose Peter. It was an ongoing process. All right, but don't be sure that it's not now that people are starting hating Peter and choosing only Paul. And you know, it's not today, those, those are not new. These are things that already happened in our history, repeating themselves again. All right, glory to God. All right, so how did the church, you know, decide on those books? How did the churches, not just the church, as I said before, it happened, you know round about all the churches there, not just like one particular church chose it, okay? So, how did they decide on these books? Number one, written by a recognized prophet or apostle. Written by what? Recognized prophet or apostle. Okay? So that's very fine that the books were written by a recognized prophet or apostle. Number two, written by a known associate of a prophet or apostle. So, for example, people know Luke as post- Associates and they know Mark as Peter's associate, so they could recognize that Luke, the gospel of Luke is, is Paul's guy, the gospel of Mark is Peter's guy, so they, they took those two because they know that they're associated with, with the non apostle. Okay, number three, truthfulness that, that, that what, what, what it talks about are true facts, what it's what actually happened, not just made up stuff. Do you understand? There are books that talk about that, that, that life and says that when Christ came, when Christ was from the dead. Angels, angels appeared everywhere, you know, light shone, glory. No, no, 
what sort of spurious books, okay, but the, book, the books that, that were allowed in the canon are where, where, what they said were what actually happened, the check for truthfulness. You know, they could have made it look grander. You know that when the Son of God rose from the dead, you know, he rose from the dead. And also, everywhere, angels appeared in every house, you know, with a loud trumpet announcing the Son of God has risen. You know? But they chose, they chose to agree, you know, to take only books that were true to what happened. Number four, the books were faithful to previously ascetic, ascetic writings. For example, you know, if already accepted books like, um, like the Gospels, like um, Paul's letters, you know, as, you know, the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, as, as, um, inspired text as canonical books, other books that accepted, you know, have agreed with what was written in those already accepted canonical writings. For example, Hebrews. Now, Hebrews, after a while, they didn't get, they didn't, it took, it took my while to agree because they didn't, know, they, didn't know, they didn't know who wrote Hebrews. They were sure who wrote Hebrews, right? But, you know, when you look at Hebrews, Hebrews was so faithful to original text, or faithful to the Oko Covenant, you know, explained the Covenant very well in light of the Covenant. So, that's why they made, what made them, you know, accept Hebrews after you know, a while of considering it, okay? So, faithfulness to what was already written, what was already known. Take it again. Faithfulness to what was already known. Faithful to what was written in the Old Covenant and what was already accepted as, as um, inspired text in the, in the New. Okay, I'll slow it down. Do you get that? So, that is where Hebrews shines, okay? So, you see that Hebrews not only agrees, but Hebrews explains in great clarity this thought in the Old Testament and explains them, you know, in the light of Christ, in the new, in a very beautiful way. So because it was faithful, you know, faithful to what, what was already written, it made them, you know, assess such books as Hebrews, as canonical, canonical writings. Okay? Is that good? Number five, confirmed by Christ, okay, prophets or apostles. So for example, you see when you see, when you read Luke 24, 27, you see where Christ, in fact, where Christ talks about, I was affirming the Old Covenant, saying that he came to us to fulfill, you know, the things written in the Old Covenant. Okay, so in doing so, he validated the Old Covenant writings as canonical texts. When he said, let's go there, Luke 24. Luke 24, 25-27. Luke 24, 25-27. Luke 24, 25-27, yes. Luke 24, yes. 25-27, 25-27. 25, 27. Are we there? Quickly, quickly, quickly. Yeah. He said to them, how foolish you are and Ouch. how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Yeah. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Please listen, guys. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You see that? It was affirming the Old Testament books. So that made the early church also accept those books as scripture because Christ was affirming the things written there. We see also 2 Peter 6, 2 Peter 16, where Peter affirmed Paul's writings as scripture. Okay, so they used that also to judge Paul's books as, you know, canonical writings. Do you understand? Also, number six, they used, you know, church uses and recognition. How widely the church, you know, used those books I to judge if those books were canonical. Okay? Are we following? Is that good? Yes, sir. Awesome. Church usage and recognition. Church usage and recognition. Church usage and recognition. Church usage and recognition. As I said earlier, 
Your covenant books were already in acceptance roundabout, okay? And some of the New Testament books too were already, were already agreed by most, most of the churches in the first century. Okay? So they used that to judge books that were that were canonical, okay? Church usage and recognition. Church usage and recognition. So someone asked me during the week that what happened between you know Malachi and Matthew? The, the four hundred year gap between what happened then? Now during during those times, okay, um, you know, in the, during those periods, there were no inspired writings by God. There were no books that, 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 that people could affirm that this is, you know, an inspired text of a prophet. So we call it the 400 silent years. The 400 silent years or, you know, intertestamental period. Intertestamental years. Intertestamental, thank you, years. Okay? Okay. So what happened in those periods? Now, when you read Daniel 7 to 9, remember we said about, about four kings. The Babylonian king, the Persian king, the Greco-Macedonian Empire, the Roman Empire. Then those periods, those things began to happen, you know. So that's first the, the, the Babylonian king, you know, then the Persian king took over. You know, these are empires. When someone, someone comes, take over the world, everybody comes, take over the world, you know, and Roman took over the world. So by the time Christ was born, when that Christ was born, things are changed so fast for Malachi. Because then they are changed like four, four world rulers, four world regimes. So when it came to the earth, it was the Roman Empire. And during that period also, you know, the, the, the Jews have gone all over the world, everywhere, with their Old Testament books. So the books were, you know, were scattered about everywhere in circulation. So it looks as though, you know, you know, God providentially um, was involved in the absence around them. So that when Christ came, it was, it was like a perfect time for him to come. The, 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 when, time, when time was right, you know, God sent his son. So as though God, you know, waited for the right time. You know, and by the time it was the Roman Empire, it was a good time for Christ to come. He could have come in, in days of Malachi, no, but he waited for the perfect time for him to come into the world. So then at seven to nine, you know, we're happening in those periods. And then, you know, none of those books then, see, this is important. The, Jew, the Jews did not recognize any of those books of that period as inspired texts. They did not. I'm saying this because, you know, after, 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 after the death of Christ and stuff like that, after a while, now, you know, some, some groups, yeah, online everywhere, can I say this? Okay, so the Catholic Church, you know, has some seven extra books, okay, of the old covenants, of those times, you know, in that period. And those books were books, they were mostly from the 400 silent years. Books that not, no, no serious Jew We affirm those books as scripture. Okay, and this is, the gist we have is that those books, you know, agree with their doctrine. So other books don't really agree. But those seven books kind of, you know, um, affirm what they practice. Okay? So it's why we have some extra books of seven in, in the Catholic Bible. All right? But no Jewish scholar will recognize those books. Okay? The, the, the set is full of errors, you know, historical errors, geographical errors, you know. You know, amen. All right? So you know why, when, when you ask why do we have different Bibles, you begin to understand why, okay? Amen. Even for the Catholic Church, it took a while for them to, it was there, but they didn't say, they didn't call it the word of God, they didn't, just, just put it there without affirming it. It was up until like 1146, when they now said, okay, it is the word of God, you know, but before then, just put it there as Jara text, okay? They didn't affirm it until much, because even then they understood that there were issues with those, with those, with those texts. All right? Amen. 
So you can do your further research, okay? You can go online and read more about that. Awesome. Someone asked, or you may ask, why do we have different versions of the Bible? Okay? It's simple, okay? Now, in translating from Greek, for example, you Testament Greek, to Latin, to English, things happen. Human error happens. Don't forget that the original manuscripts were inspired by God, not translation. Okay? And because, you know, different languages have different ways of conveying a particular meaning, and sometimes we don't have a word for word equivalence. So people try to, you know, to best explain what they thought the past were saying. Okay? But, you know, they were not always right. So when you see two Bible versions saying different things, because two different groups understand the same text differently. And also because, you know, for example, the KJV came from, from 16, first KJV 1611, came from the Latin, Latin um, Bible. And don't forget that the Bible was, also was set in Greek. So when you first turn Greek to Latin, one, one layer of translation, that's one issue. If from Latin to English, what happens again? And another layer of translation. So the possibility of error between Greek to Latin to English is, is, is very wide. Do you understand? But over the years, you know, started, started discovering more manuscripts, started discovering more and more of the original text, of the original Greek and Hebrew. So where we have, you know, some newer Bibles that, that, that appear much more accurate than the KJV. Did you understand? Because they discovered newer manuscripts. Is that good? So there is the manuscript issue, the language issue, and also human understanding differences. For example, when, when you see love in the Bible, love is agapa, agap, agapao, love is um, eros, is the one again? Uh-huh. There's one, there's filio, there's one more. So love like four different love in, in the Bible. But in English, love is love, uh, issues. So it now becomes, which one is a love we're talking about here? So people can now begin to misinterpret the love because they don't know, you know, what the love, original love was about. That's, that's, those are important differences, okay? English, you know, translation uh, issues. Now, we have some, some versions that, 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 are, that try to be word for word. Please follow me, guys. Some versions try to be word for word. Like the NKJV tries to be, tries to be word. Now, no Bible is totally word for word. None. Because you, talk, you don't have some of, those, some of those words in English. Okay? But they try to be word for word. They try. As NKJV tries to be word for word. NIV tries to be thought for thought. Meaning for meaning. You get word for word. So most of us are like that. Word for word, thought for word, thought for thought, or a mixture of both. But no Bible can claim to be exactly word for word. It's not true. All right? Of the original manuscripts. Are you following me? Is this making sense? So some are word for word, thought for thought, some are a mixture of both. But no Bible is genuinely word for word. Okay, push out KJV. You don't be like, nobody can do what forward. Let's see. You know, when, when you see Pagi these things, a lot of bobo involved. But do your research. I, I've heard men of men that I respect talk as though God threw KJV down to the earth. I love them, but don't talk about KJV. You think God stoned KJV down to the earth. But when you go and do your research, you know, ah, ah. Hey, relax now, okay? <laughs> so it's good to do your own research in these things, okay? Some people say the NIV is wrong. Can you call, can you call, can you See, relax, do your own finding. You my point, do your finding. Do your finding. Because people, people, as I said, people can be loud or nonsense. It's the world we live in. Some people are, are genuinely loud when they are wrong. Some are frauds. I'm trying to be nice because I'm on the altar, okay? But some are frauds that are loud on genuine nonsense. So you cannot judge truth by loudness, by volume. Amen. Okay? You cannot judge truth by volume. Go and do your research. Read about it. When you say we're talking very loud after anything, relax. 
can be boo-boo. Okay? Go back. In fact, when they're so loud, relax. Relax even much more. It might be an agenda. All right? So go back and, yeah, go back and do your, do your, do your, do your search. All right? So, yeah, we generally recommend the NIV and NKJV. Other good ones, right? We recommend the NIV and NKJV. Now, when you're reading your Bible, it makes sense to, to not read just one. If you're doing a proper study, okay? What I, what I do, I have on my, on, my, on, my, on my laptop three tabs open or two of my, my Bible gateway half, okay? It has, you can open different at the same time on the same page. So I have my, my NIV, my NKJV, and my Greek. NIV, NKJV, and my Greek. What do I do? So I can begin to compare, you know, compare stuff. Light of the world. Okay. So I can begin to compare, um, compare. So when I have something in the NIV that it doesn't, doesn't feel right, um, I want to check NKJV because I feel like NKJV is more it's more what was. It's more so I can see, okay, if NIV missed the meaning, NKJV probably wrote, wrote it out in other things, what, what I can do is compare, okay, which one aligns better. And, and I'm going to check the Greek to better. So I will explain more as we go on, if time permits to today. All right? Or should we stop here? <laughs> 1050. Mm, can we go further? I should not have been. All right. So we'll continue on Wednesday from where we stop. But is it good? Yeah. Educative? Yeah. We learned well? Yeah. So we'll continue from here on Wednesday. Can we rise? Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's just thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. Thank God because we are, you know, we are taught. We get better in these things. We know him better. Are we praying? We're doing better. We're doing conviction about this. We're doing conviction about these things. In the name of Jesus, we're doing conviction. We're growing conviction. We're growing conviction. We're growing conviction. In the name of Jesus. We grow in appreciation of these facts. We grow in appreciation of these facts. We grow in appreciation of these facts. In the name of Jesus, we grow in appreciation of these facts. We have a hunger to know much more. So we can better teach, you know, better know and share the truth with our world. We grow in evidential faith. We understand the truth upon which we stand. In the name of Jesus, we grow in understanding of the truth upon which we stand. We grow beyond vibes to truth. Beyond vibes to truth. In the name of Jesus, we have a desire to know more. A desire to know more. A desire to understand what people died for. Why any church do not mind facing death, you know, for the defense of this truth. In the name of Jesus. Is anybody watching right now? Anybody watching right now? At a point where Life feels meaningless. Life feels vain and blank. Let me tell you my story. I've been here before. I've been exactly here before. 2005, 
2004. I got to the point where I felt life was completely meaningless. Life was vain. You know, like Solomon, I said, life is vanity, like Solomon. And my sister told me then, he says, life is vanity when you don't know Christ. So today, I say to you also, that the meaning of life is God. And until that spot, that hole in your heart is filled with Christ, life becomes vain. Until then, life is vain. So if you are craving for meaning, craving for meaning, crave, I, 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 this morning I urge you, pray to God sincerely that God, Jesus, if you are real, I want to know you. I want to know you. You know, tell him, I've heard people say all sorts about you. But Lord Jesus, if you are real, can you just join me in praying for them? Just join me in praying in tongues for them. Join me in praying in tongues for them. Join me in praying in tongues for them. That Lord, if you are real, let me meet you. Reveal yourself to me. Send people to me to show me your truth accurately. Send people to me to show me your truth accurately. Reveal yourself to me. Let my life begin to have meaning again. Meaning, a purpose. That's something more your heart desires is Christ. That's something more your heart longs for is Christ. You know, I've been right here before and I know the difference between then and when I received Christ. I found meaning. I found hope. I found life. I found joy. This can be your story also. This morning I urge you, be sincere before God. Don't postpone this decision. Talk to God sincerely. Oh, thank you, Lord. So if you want to take a step of faith, and right now, receive Christ. Just say after me, Lord Jesus, I welcome you to my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Help me to understand the meaning of all this. In the name of Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer sincerely, it's that simple. That sincere cry for God. That sincere cry for God. It says, whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Father, I pray, I pray for this one this morning. That person looking for meaning, seeking for more. I pray for you this morning. I pray for them this morning. That Lord, you reveal yourself to them. That you send people, laborers to, to, into this harvest to show them the reality of your love and the meaning you have for their lives. For that one that this morning welcomed you into his or her life. I pray for this one, oh God, that they, 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 they are stable. They know your love. They grow in your grace. They grow in your knowledge in the name of Jesus. And for us already that, that, that already believe, this morning I pray for us. We are rooted. We are grounded. In these days of troublesome, troublesome weather, you know, of all sorts of doctrines and all sorts of words, 
we stand faithful. We stand and we are unmovable in the name of Jesus. And when you return, you find us spotless. Occupying till you come. In the name of Jesus. We, we keep going further, not regressing. We go further. Occupying till you return. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Hey, hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website www.thisgreenchurch.org for more info. God bless you.